We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition, brought to you by Wix.com. I'm John McKechnie, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy Mario Puig. Mario, it was a pretty crazy weekend last weekend. A lot of uh, really titanic, you know, top ten matchups. We don't have quite the same magnitude of matchups this week, but uh, before we get into what's going on this week, I want to get into a little bit how you felt about Week Five shook out. Uh, well, I was surprised to see Clemson overtake Louisville, um, especially because it, it 
I know the, the ending score was pretty close, but it seemed like Clemson kind of had control in the first half and, right. um, you know, basically let them back into it a little bit, although not, not close enough to make it really a, a big scare for them. But yeah, I was, I was surprised to see, I guess so somehow Dabo was just kind of like holding them back all along perhaps for that game, or maybe they just, uh, you know, didn't quite grasp the seriousness of, of the games that preceded it. And like, right. they just finally found themselves. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, either way, it's it's. Uh, I still think Lamar Jackson is the Heisman favorite uh, for me, anyway. Assuming they don't drop any further ones. Yeah, I think so, I think so too. I think Lamar stays atop right now. Um, I think that you know playing for a team like Louisville is different than like if Deshaun Watson had had a similar uh, thing going on. He's, he's Clemson's quarterback, and you know Clemson's such a good team, and and he drops a game, I think that that would hurt his Heisman stock more so than, than like Lamar Jackson losing on the road at night at Clemson. I think that that, that, that should be forgivable in the eyes of the committee. Especially when you still have 28 touchdowns to four <laughs> interceptions through five games. Yeah, I guess his numbers are still pretty pretty good. Um, so that, uh, and now that, now that Florida State's sort of out of the equation in the ACC, I guess Clemson is, is firmly in the driver's seat now um, as opposed to um, – this sort of death scenario where Louisville beats Florida State, Clemson beats Louisville, and then Florida State beats Clemson. Like I guess that seems to be out the window now because Florida State uh, obviously dropped their game at home uh, to North Carolina. Um, moving out west, uh, I want to talk about that Washington game a little bit with you. Yeah. Um, that Washington game was one of the more impressive performances. I mean, I think we we both envisioned it to be a close game. I don't think either of us saw uh, Washington just absolutely boat racing Stanford. I think we both agreed that Washington would be able to win it. Um, what was really kind of crazy is that Stanford uh, was sort of beating at their own game a little bit, where they're always uh, kind of touted as this big offensive line that can you know create the space for McCaffrey and so on. But Washington was able to get uh, I think like seven or eight sacks despite apparently not even blitzing once. They just generated pressure with their four down linemen. Uh, for the entire game, and were able to just completely uh, fluster Ryan Burns and uh, Keller Christ the whole way. And uh, McCaffrey had under 80 total yards from scrimmage, I believe, as well. So, I mean, that's just really impressive stuff for, from that defense. And then the the offense was able to really take advantage of uh, Stanford's uh, lack of lack of secondary help. And I think Stanford is going to be missing those guys again this week, so that's going to be a problem when they, when they take on Washington State. Yeah, that's a lot of sacks to give up, considering they only uh, attempted 27 passes. It's like maybe maybe that's not embarrassing if you're if you're you know Case Keenum throwing 70 passes or something, but 20 20 uh, below 30 is is nuts for that, especially with no blitzing involved. Um, I saw most of that game. I I, I I it was hard to tell at some point because it was just like Stanford probably just kind of gave up whether they Seemed knew like it or it. not. Like they were they were utterly hopeless pretty early in that game. Uh, they, they played it surprisingly close early, but yeah, it's like we, we, we kind of, we kind of worried that on Stanford's side, like they, they wouldn't be able to just keep up with the speed of the Washington offense and, uh, Washington, you know, didn't need to keep the gas down too long to, before they made a huge lead, uh, John Ross, uh, Dante Pettis and McClatcher are just really tough to stop. And Gaskin showed that, you know, he, he, he had a relatively slow start to the year, but that was only a matter of volume. Like it showed like he, when, when they need him to step up, he'll do it. Exactly. So yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think any, but I don't think anybody expects Oregon to make this week close at all, but, uh, it is a road game. You, you there is, I guess the risk of them being a little full of themselves after that, but 
I just I can't really see that being the case. And even if it were, I just think Oregon's so bad that I th- I think that Washington will still kind of beat them badly. I think so too. And uh, you know we'll we'll get into that more in a little bit. But I I do tend to agree that that Washington should be able to to snap their losing streak against the Ducks. And as we saw, Chris Peterson after that game was not even really impressed with what they did. <laughs> like, like you know, just like just came out there. Ugh, you know gotta go home now i guess (laughs) yeah the game we want it um let's see what else uh i feel like ohio state doesn't get talked about enough i know they haven't really like played anybody yet but like what they've been able to do week in week out uh well they they did beat uh oklahoma but they've allowed i counted like 37 total points through four games so far 24 of them i think came against oklahoma They, they just beat Rutgers 58 to nothing. I know that you're supposed to beat uh, the daylights out of Rutgers, but I mean, to, to hold a Division I football team, to hold a Big Ten football team to 33 yards passing, I mean, that's, that's, that's like a special sort of beatdown, in my opinion. I mean, that, that Ohio State secondary, apparently, you know, I know Michigan sort of gets all the pub with Jordan Lewis and Jabril Peppers and so on, but uh, Gosh, I mean, I Ohio State a, is so dominant right now. Yeah, I think now. you'd have a hard time arguing that Michigan is better than Ohio State right now. Agreed. Um, I, I mean, like, not that I, I don't actually have an opinion on that. Uh, it's, it looks like a toss-up, but yeah, Ohio State is is a, a spread-covering machine. They just... Uh, it, it's, it seems like Urban Meyer is, like, mad about something. I don't know what it, he has to be <laughs> mad about, but he's, he doesn't seem to have, like, a very, you know, friendly outlook on, to the rest of the college football world. Uh, but yeah, they're... They're looking terrifying. Michigan obviously is too, but it's it, it is odd. I think, yeah, like you said, it's it's uh, it's not getting the same level of attention. It's 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 a uh, and it might just be a matter of you know expectations have always been so high for them that we're right. not impressed as easily as if uh, you know Michigan, who was kind of a mess a few years ago. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's looking like quite a collision over there. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I yeah, I think they're I think Ohio State's looking pretty awesome, and uh, they get Indiana this week, who's looking pretty right. good themselves. They are. They uh, you know they're able to pull off the the win in overtime again against Michigan State. That's got to be one of their bigger wins uh, in in recent program history. Indiana was also able to to hang with some of the blue bloods last year. They gave Ohio State some trouble, I believe. They, they definitely pushed Michigan to their brink, uh, but that was down in Bloomington. I'm pretty sure. Uh, obviously, they were they were a little bit more experienced last year, but I think Indiana maybe as a, as a whole is a little bit uh, better on defense this right, year, and I have. think that makes them uh, a more viable team in this sort of environment. I still imagine that Ohio State, uh, like you said, spread covering machine. I, <laughs> yeah. I think they will just humble them to their core. But yeah, Indiana has a lot to to be excited about right now, especially uh, coming off. Uh, you know, they were able to bounce back from a really sort of head scratching loss to Wake Forest and, and go up to East Lansing and, and get it done. Yeah, if they had this defense that they have this year, and while they had you know the likes of uh, healthy Cobbs, uh, you know Cody Latimer, even if you go back that far, Tevin Coleman, it's like those two separate parts make probably like a top fifteen team. Right. But yeah, we'll we'll see exactly where they land soon enough, I guess. And then uh, Tennessee was the last team I wanted to touch on. Uh, obviously, uh, they beat my beloved Georgia Bulldogs on a pretty crazy hail mary, but. You know the the point. The fact of the matter is, like they they've been starting slow every single week. It seems like, and they're able to to come out and 
and dominate in the second half. Uh, they were really impressive in the second half. It wasn't just like uh, they, they lucked their way into into getting this this late Hail Mary touchdown. Like there was a lot of buildup to that. So this week they have a huge game. We'll get into it more. They're going down to uh, Kyle Field and yeah. playing A&M and who – I'm not totally sure what to make of them entirely yet, but they seem to be uh, pretty darn good. It's certainly far exceeding my expectations. Yeah, the, uh, it looks like a, I think a bad matchup for Tennessee. I kind of I kind of think A and M is going to be fine in that one. But uh, yeah, like you said, Tennessee's been starting slow. Even even when they've caught up, it's 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 been through means that are kind of not sustainable. Hail mm-hmm. Marys, just wacky collapse on the part of Florida. Uh, obviously, Appalachian State was close enough in its in itself so uh yeah i I think they're about to lose two in a row to a&m and then they get alabama next time right yeah this is obviously the the biggest uh stretch for them and uh, i mean they still now having beaten uh florida and georgia they should kind of be able to to waltz through the rest of their sec east you know schedule and still get they have a good track to that championship game in the sec yeah where they'll get killed you get the golden (laughs) ticket to to just get embarrassed by alabama so that's that's the way that that's trending uh as far as disappointments are concerned uh i think we've i think we can officially uh bury iowa now uh we kind of said last week that losing to north dakota state that'll happen to some teams i it, it seems to happen every year um, obviously Iowa, you would have imagined was, was a little bit better built to, to avoid that sort of thing. But then they only beat Rutgers by seven points, at which point I was like, okay, they, they might be in some serious trouble. So yeah. then lo and behold, Northwestern comes to, to Iowa city and they hang 30, like that offense hangs 38 points on yeah. Iowa. Iowa has no defense. Iowa has nothing. Exactly. So, yeah. so stick a fork in them. They're done. Uh, Oregon, um, Looks like the Dakota. They're done. Yeah, they, <laughs> they suck. They are. Mark Helfrich is done. so bad. He has no idea what he's doing. Like I know, I know. That, like the it's they're expected to bench Prukop for uh, is it Herbert or Heber? yeah Justin Justin Herbert I Herbert believe. okay um, so yeah uh, like I know Prukop hasn't done that well but if you watch them they've they've just not looked good in general like it, it's 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 not Prukop's fault or at least uh, Herbert can't save them. So yeah. it's it's not going to get better there. Like Helfrich Scott this week, I think maybe and that it, it like it, we were talking earlier. It it might be you know an opportunity for Washington to disappoint coming off that big win. I think it's more likely that Oregon's just going to lose by so much that Helfrich gets you know shipped out after an embarrassing home loss. Yeah, it seems to be trending in that direction for sure. And uh, you know I'm not sure that starting a freshman quarterback in his first game against that Washington defense. Uh, yeah. is really gonna gonna help too much uh got into Stanford a little bit um they're they're banged up in key areas uh they are clearly too one dimensional on offense i mean I guess we kind of knew they were uh yeah. just based on on the the, the 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 volume of touches McCaffrey sees but you they were able to kind of get by with it last year you know they were able to beat good teams despite being that one dimensional obviously this year. Uh, that offensive line isn't good enough to create enough space. Uh, their quarterback play is, is taking a step back, even though Kevin Hogan wasn't wasn't the gold standard of quarterbacking necessarily. It turned but, out to be for Stanford, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So uh, things are just looking, uh, you know, like the shine is worn off of Stanford, at least for this year, it seems like. Um, we'll kind of have to see where, if they're able to pick themselves up. But you know Washington State's gonna gonna make them sweat. I really do feel that way, even if it is a home game for Stanford. Yeah, missing those corners would matter quite a bit in that one. Uh, and then let's see, uh, Baylor. 
Um, that it took them forever to. It just took it Iowa State to remember that they're Iowa State in order for for them to win that game. Were they down week. by like seventeen at one point? Or yeah, something I like think that? Like, they were down by at least two touchdowns in the okay. fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what exactly is wrong with them. I, I, it, obviously, they've got kind, kind of like a rotten culture to recover from, and and that might have kind of that might have hurt their general, you know, sense of commitment and 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 just yeah, camaraderie, whatever. Grow new guy all of a sudden in charge. They've never seen him before. It's like, hey, you got a new dad now. And it's like, <laughs> uh, I guess that you know, it wasn't much time for them to adapt to that. The offense doesn't look the way it's supposed to. Granted, they didn't have Katie Cannon last week, but it doesn't make any sense to to have to make it that close of a call against Iowa State. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And they they got bailed out by the running game too. It wasn't totally. like they're still not functioning right. They didn't look right against Rice. I I don't think that season's gonna get much better for them. Yeah, the, they're they're kind of lucky right now. They're they're just like playing the softest part of their schedule early. But uh, once once you know rubber meets the road, they they get done with the they're on a bye this week. I think they play Kansas when they get back. Then I think they're get, then I think they'll just get kind of pantsed on a national stage. They'll just be undefeated that late in the season, just sort of. Uh, by virtue of playing that schedule, and then with a totally undue ranking of whatever it is at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. so like so five and zero, they're technically ranked first in that in that conference. But like Oklahoma would tear them to pieces. And yeah, out. if they're still somehow, if they're still able to somehow escape, wow, they have a bye week after Kansas as well, and then they get Texas at Texas, uh, TCU. And then at Oklahoma, so if somehow they they're able to escape Texas and TCU, Oklahoma is just going to take them to the woodshed yeah. and ruin their uh, suddenly overly optimistic expectations for whatever uh, they thought would be for this season. Um, Want to get into a couple other quarterback developments before we start looking at this week's slate? Uh, obviously, Patrick Mahomes left last week's game against Kansas uh, with a with a shoulder injury. I think it was his throwing. It was his throwing shoulder. Uh, but then, uh, maybe it's just because they were playing Kansas. But Texas Tech's backup quarterback came in and also threw four touchdowns. Uh, Nick Shimonek. That'll happen. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I can't claim to know anything about him, but uh, that that system obviously has a predetermined result of that sort, especially going against a, a team like Kansas. Uh, so yeah, uh, I I can't remember who who did they play this week? Kansas State, I believe so. so yeah, that's I think actually it's in Kansas State. Yeah, they've actually been surprisingly tough. I don't think that this can be considered a gimme for Texas Tech, especially because their running game hasn't gotten anywhere. Right, uh, Justin Stockton hasn't done anything really. It feels like it's been a really small sample size, and I I think it's kind of weird that the that he's not getting more opportunities given what he did the two years prior to this. He's got twenty seven carries. That's not what I'm gonna. I'm not really willing to write them off over that, but they appear like they might. And in the meantime, it's like it's just not a functioning product in the running game. Exactly. So, yeah, that's uh, it's difficult to parse out, and especially if Mahomes is out uh, this weekend. We're still not sure about Shibnick that. Shibnick doesn't seem like a runner for what it's worth. Took took a negative 20 on sacks in that game. That's right. Yeah, Kansas was kind of uh, trying to attack him as as best as they could with the, with the ru- pass rush. Um, so then we also touched on Justin Herbert uh, unseating Dakota Prukop. Arizona might be down to their third quarterback uh, this week because uh, Brandon Dawkins hurt his ribs last weekend. Right, yeah. What uh, Khalil Tate is it? Yes. Okay. I don't know anything about him, but he had really nice numbers last week. Yeah, and uh, you know, he's. I think he's pretty much been repping with the ones uh, thus far this week, so that that should help his comfort level. That should allow Arizona to maybe call 
a full, more full complement of plays than maybe that they were expecting to, having to trot out their third-string quarterback. Uh, but still, uh, I believe they're playing at Utah. That's that's going to be tough for him. Utah coming off a loss, probably not that happy. No, I, I'd imagine that they're ill-tempered. And then uh, Arizona State, uh, Manny Wilkins, he's banged up. Is it an ankle with him? Uh, looks like that or his foot, and he looks pretty doubtful. So uh, Brady White, um, I think, is, is probably going to start. Uh, that doesn't look that good for them because the UCLA pass defense has been good, and, and White is not the runner that Wilkins is, so he's not going to be able to assist in that regard. Uh, anything could happen, though. I mean, he seems like he's a pretty good uh, recruit, good prospect. He made it a close competition, at least, despite uh, having less experience than Wilkins. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought up that, that you know he definitely did push Wilkins pretty deep into fall camp before Wilkins ultimately won that job. Uh, let's see. We actually start the college football week uh, this week. We're not going to get too into in-depth on it, but we got Georgia Southern and Arkansas State playing tonight, a little fun belt action. And then uh, Thursday, we have a bunch of, of uh, weekday games this week because of the impending uh, weather issues, but uh, this this one isn't necessarily one of them. Uh, Memphis is going to be playing host to Temple. Uh, Memphis, 10-point favorites, and the over-under is at 60.5. That's a, that's a pretty big spread, if only because I – not that I can really substantiate it with many specifics, but I think Temple's coaching is pretty solid. And Memphis has a lot of uh, like athletic talent. There. The offense has been seems to have turned a corner lately. They started a little slow, but uh, right. yeah, uh, uh, Riley Ferguson did not throw a touchdown pass against Mississippi. He piled up some yardage, had to run for two touchdowns. Um, Anthony Miller caught. 10 passes for 132 yards for the second year in a row. Exactly those two numbers, although he had a touchdown last year, didn't have one this year. Uh, so he's he's obviously really good. Uh, but Temple, I think Temple uh, can, you know, make it a little closer than 10 points just because, uh, like, they got Ventil Bryant back right. last week, and he's actually a, quietly a pretty promising wide receiver prospect. Um, he's at least 6'2", so he's kind of got the, the, you know, the traits of a wide receiver one. Their quarterback... PJ formerly apparently now he's Philip Walker. He was awesome as a freshman a few years ago, and he's just been bad since then. But uh, Memphis's defense hasn't looked that great, I don't think. Um, so it's we'll we'll see. Uh, they had the one impressive game against uh, uh, Bowling Green, but it, that right. turned out to not really mean that much. Uh, they got good numbers so far, but I, I think Temple can keep it close. Jihad Thomas is humming right now, and uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm just I'm just not totally sold that. Uh, uh, Memphis's accomplishments against the likes of South- Southeastern Missouri State, Kansas, Bowling Green really add up to as much as they might at look, seem like at a glance. That's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. And, and, you know, like you said, getting Bryant back, just like getting those pieces back, I, I think makes Temple a little bit better off than, than, you know, maybe what we thought early on in the season when they, when they you know, kind of got off to a slightly rocky start. I like uh, Bryant, by the way, in a season long, if you're if you're desperate for a receiver. Uh, despite the good numbers from the Memphis pass defense, what's most interesting to me is the last three teams that played them went over 40 attempts, and Temple might not do that, but I think you can expect Bryant to have roughly like a one-third share of whatever passing production there is there, and I think they might have one of their higher volume totals this week. Oh, that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, so we do both like Temple to cover that one. Uh, then the other Thursday night uh, game, we got Louisiana Tech uh, hosting Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky slight road favorites at uh, two and a half. That's weird to me. I, I doubted Louisiana Tech going into this year because they had uh, Ryan Higgins taking over for uh, Driscoll. Right. Driscoll 
uh, I thought was, you know, a much better player, especially because Higgins, uh, three years ago when he started, was just a mess, no good at all. Right. Didn't do well off the bench in, in recent times either. This year he's doing really well. He played hurt last week, um, still still had a big game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Trent Taylor has been one of the best receivers in college football the past few years. Yep. Uh, Carlos Henderson is questionable, I think, but he's he's uh he he practiced late last week, so he might play this week. He's their best big play threat, so that helps. And uh, Western Kentucky, I just I'm not convinced is is really in its proper form. Like they still don't have a tight end, and like Higby was a big part of what they did last year, and even before that, uh, whatever his name was, Henry, I can't remember. He's on like the Packers practice squad now. Nice, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, what Western Kentucky just. The, the, the left tackle, I don't know if he's back, Forrest Lamp, I want to say his name is. Anthony Wales was back last, or he was back against Vanderbilt, and uh, he was good last week too, but uh, we don't know what's up with Furby. Uh, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're as good to me as people might be presuming, especially when they did lose to Vanderbilt. So I, I, I can kind of, I can kind of see how they could make, how could, they could win this game, but I just don't think they will. I feel like Louisiana Tech is, is just kind of like a pretty, well-made machine right now because i'm not sold that their talent is that great outside of receiver but they're they're, they're doing jared baker too they're running back mm-hmm. awful before this year but he's, he's doing like seven yards a carry this year so um I, I i don't see any reason to think that they're going to slow down in this context especially at home yeah i think i think the the home factor really kind of sells me on it and i think western kentucky uh has been you know maybe a, a little bit overrated among like the those sort of uh non-traditional powers that you know they've gotten the exposure that louisiana tech probably hasn't you know by by playing teams like vanderbilt and alabama so people like know who western kentucky is maybe more so uh but i still feel like louisiana tech is humming along at at a much better clip uh at the moment so i would imagine that they'll be able to take this home uh you know playing in front of their home crowd uh, on thursday night so i do like them to cover that one uh on friday we have uh tulane in in central florida has been postponed uh due to the impending weather Uh, i think we both think that the clemson should be able to take care of business up at Boston College. Uh, we have SMU uh, going to Tulsa. Tulsa, 17-point favorites. Uh, do you have any quick read on, on how that one's going to shake out? Well, Ben Hicks, the quarterback, I, I don't even know if they're going to stick with him this week. I, I should probably look into that because he's been awful re- replacing Matt Davis. Uh, the SMU running game was never its strength. Camps, uh, Cortland Sutton was basically their, their, their offense, and uh, James Proch has stepped up as the second receiver. He's a redshirt freshman this year. But the quarterback has undermined, the, undone even the whole offense. So uh, the, the the other problem with that is the Tulsa defense somehow is good now, apparently. Uh, it's it, new. Yeah, it, uh, they were they were so so bad last year, but uh, they've only given up four passing touchdowns this year, fifty one and a half percent completed allowed, and I'm assuming like all of that was against Ohio State, uh, or no, it wasn't actually. That was a bad weather game, uh, but yeah, Grant Tulsa hasn't been tested much through the air, but still, I, I don't think Ben Hicks qualifies as a test. So I, I kind of think Tulsa should take that spread, even though it's really big. Uh, I just think, I mean, Keevan Lucas really does seem to be 100% back despite that patella tendon tear last year. They still got uh, Justin Hobbs and Joshua Atkinson are, are quietly pretty big threats at receiver. Right. Uh, Brewer, D'Angelo Brewer is having a career year. So, yeah, I just don't see SMU going anywhere at all. Like, I could, I could see them being held to, like, fewer than 14 points yeah that's gonna it's gonna be an ugly showing for it from smu's offense because i mean once tulsa takes uh sutton out of the equation uh for smu there's 
there's really not a whole lot that SMU is going to do that scares you. Uh, so I'd imagine that Tulsa kind of runs away with that one. Uh, let's see, ODU or Old Dominion, uh, they're hosting UMass. Uh, that game also got moved up. Uh, not a whole lot of interest there, unfortunately. And then uh, we got Boise State going to New Mexico. Boise State still favored uh, 17 and a half points, even though they're on the road, and they lost to New Mexico. <laughs> they I lost believe. to these jokers last yeah, year. Yeah, that was just a bizarre, bizarre game. Boise State had a couple really head-scratching losses last year, but they don't seem as I think they're better them. now. Yeah. Uh, Rippin obviously hasn't been that great lately, but Cedric Wilson has emerged at receiver better than uh, you know Shane Williams-Rhodes and Chaz uh, Anderson. That sounds right. Uh, uh, from last year. Uh, so, yeah, Wilson's actually been quietly good. Jeremy McNichols is insane. So, that's uh, a big spread to go against, to go on the road against an option team that might kind of just run the clock out on itself. But I, I do think I got to take Boise to cover because um, they're just so much better than New Mexico. Yeah, they're just, they're a pretty dominating force. I, I don't imagine that New Mexico is going to be able to put up uh, too many t- points here. And I, I'd imagine that Boise State, you know, no matter what, is still going to be able to, to score over 30. So yeah. um, I, I just have to have to get the sense that, that Boise State will, will get the cover there. Um, we're going to go to a couple uh, smaller games uh, of note for Saturday. Uh, we got East Carolina versus South Florida. We're not even sure that this game, we're not even for certain that this game is going to get played yet, but there's a lot of variables involved. There's no line yet uh, because uh, East Carolina's quarterback, Philip Nelson, was not practicing yesterday, and uh, Zay Jones, the guy with – uh, I would imagine he leads the nation in receiving or receptions. receptions yeah. He's over 60. Um, uh, he was in a walking boot yesterday, but I think that sounds like it's more just like he's got a bruised foot. They're just trying to keep him off of it for the time being. But regardless, they're, they're holding off on the line for that one. Even if East Carolina uh, it comes in at full strength, I still imagine South Florida would be able to get this win by, yeah. by you know, I would say like 11, you know, I've, if the line was at like 11 or 12, I would definitely still take uh, South Florida probably. Yeah, they're in a different class. They're, they're, they're in the same conference technically, but by now South Florida has basically graduated to like ACC level of talent, Seems whereas, like whereas East Carolina is still, you know, trying to crest that hill. Um, I, I don't think, yeah, even if they were fully healthy, I just, I don't think South Florida is the kind of team they can hold up to. And I, I really like what Scotty Montgomery's doing there, but, uh, Willie, Willie Taggart's got a, a like a, a machine at its peak right now that he's, he's not building anything like it's, it's, it's already built. It's, it is already built. I mean, that there is a time, you know, there, you know, obviously Dalvin Cook sort of ended up having his way against that defense after a while but like you know south florida was hanging in there punch for punch for you know the first quarter at least of, the, of that game against right. florida State. they can't catch up to anybody because or any good defense anyway because flowers just isn't much of a passer but he can probably throw against a defense like this and more importantly that that defense can't stop the running game of south florida is enough to create the kind of lead that florida state did so yeah. you're, they're not going to be able to make south florida one-dimensional right marlon mack is, is gonna do as he pleases pretty much in that one so i'd imagine south florida provided that they play and i know uh even if they do play it's going to be uh bad weather i assume but that just means south florida is going to be able to run the ball and that, that just takes the ball out of philip nelson's hands a little bit which means it takes the ball out of zay jones's hands a little bit right so. and the east carolina has a couple decent running backs but they're, they're that's not the strength of that team is that not the strength of that offense that offense's strength is like the, the movement and the deception and the spread out uh you know misdirection that they do constantly 
Uh, if you if you're not buying the the threats of the passing game, that running game is not difficult to stop. Right. Uh, let's see. We got a, a, a some MAC action here. We got Western Michigan, who's I believe they got ranked in the in the coaches poll, but maybe not the AP poll. Maybe they they're starting to get some attention though. Finally, they they beat beat up on Central Michigan, who I thought was sort of one of the other better teams in the MAC last week. They really took it to yeah. to the Chippewas um, and NIU. Uh, I know we sort of ripped on them, or maybe I just did, uh, last week. Uh, they were playing Ball State, and I thought that Ball State was going to beat them. Uh, but NIU smartly made a change at quarterback, and it seemed to work out really well. I don't well. know why this didn't happen last year it, or yeah, this year. No like, Graham has looked awful every time I've seen him. And Maddie, it's easy to forget, was actually – there's this third guy too. I don't remember who the third one was. But Maddie, Drew Hare, and this third guy were in this quarterback competition two years ago that like didn't end as of week one that year. Like Drew Hare was obviously a very good quarterback for them, but they're the, the Northern Illinois coach, I don't know his name offhand, uh, he would not even make that call between those three. So it's like, how did Maddie go from two years ago being as 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 you know, in comparison, good to Hare that you like couldn't even pick out Hare as the better one, and then like three years later, he's like, oh, Ryan Graham's better than this guy. It's like, no way. Yeah, like, that, I know they moved him to receiver or whatever, and he's he's a good runner, but whatever, he's he's better than Graham, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, he he obviously uh, just throws some of his stats out from last week. Uh, completed sixty three percent of his passes, uh, just under three hundred yards, two touchdowns and a pick, and then he you know ran for one hundred sixty and a score on the ground. So uh, that that definitely adds an element uh, that um, against a Western Michigan team that hasn't really faced a, a dual threat quarterback to to that extent i mean i i I know that they have faced uh georgia southern which is a run heavy offense but i i still imagine that the western michigan will be able to win this game that that does seem like a big spread though Uh, yeah i kind of think they win by like 17 not 20 right because because you know like i said niu seems to have suddenly gotten off the mat they were they were really looking dead in the water but seems like they do have new life under this new quarterback so i think that NIU will at least be able to keep it respectable, you know, because NIU is not that far removed from being a, a pretty decent team. Right. They were they were perennially like in the the MAC championship for like right. ever. So um, yeah, I, I I was baffled. I'm baffled that like they didn't go to Maddie sooner, especially because their quarterback uh, temp, their template for the quarterback position has always been a runner, like a Jordan Lynch type or somebody. So uh, even if Maddie can't throw the ball. His ability to run like he he does, I think, opens up what has been previously a struggling running back rotation of Joel Buonio and uh, can never, Jordan Huff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think those two get get better efficiency going forward too, just because of Maddie being in there. Yeah, I, I like that element as well. So we both like NIU to to keep that one uh, in the respectable realm. And then uh, we got San Diego State uh, hosting UNLV. San Diego State. Uh, 14 and a half point favorites. Uh, they're coming off the second year in a row. They've lost to South. Like what? They understand. lost to South Alabama I again I last know. week. <laughs> like, and we you, thought they were so good going into last week. I and, still think they are. It's just, right? uh, I don't know. Maybe they got lazy because they were like, they whooped, you know, Northern Illinois after beating who, uh, you know, they figured was probably the toughest team on their schedule aside Cal. from if they're playing Boise. I can't, I don't know if they're playing Boise, but, uh, yeah, they beat Cal, uh, who just beat Utah? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I can't explain it other than like they just got kind of lazy, or like maybe they just had really bad strategy in that game. Either way, I, I do think that they'll they'll win this one pretty easily. Uh, UNLV is a mess. It's it's uh, it's at San Diego State. I, I I don't think 
I think this one could be more like you know twenty four point victory. Yeah, I think we're we're looking at a at a at a game where San Diego State is going to be uh, pretty upset at themselves for for what happened last week. I think they're going to want to atone for it as quickly as possible. And so, unfortunately for UNLV, they're next. They have to go to San Diego. It's just going to be an issue. I think San Diego State should be able to run away with it. Uh, we're going to get into some rapid-fire picks here, but before we do that, we have a message here from Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business and you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The, re- the result is stunning. All right, moving into our rapid-fire picks, we just got a couple quick games of you know Power 5 matchups that uh, might not be the most enticing to, to the naked eye. Um, and speaking of not enticing. Uh, we got Iowa going up to Minnesota. Yeah. Iowa. Mm, yeah. Uh, we got Iowa still uh point and a half favorites going on the road to Minnesota who just took Penn state to overtime on the road. Uh, basically the way I see this is Justin Jackson just ran for 170 some odd yards on Iowa and Iowa was at home. Robert Martin hung a hundred on him. Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, so, I mean, Minnesota has two running backs that are both capable of running for 100 individually on Iowa on you know under 15 carries if if need be. So I think Minnesota is just going to be able to pound the rock to the extent where Iowa uh, just I mean they're they're going to get gashed uh, really badly in in this game. I really do think this game is kind of low hanging fruit as far as the spread is concerned. I really do think Minnesota at home should be able to take this one. Yeah, especially if people don't have like other bets that they can make because of you know weather screwing things up on the east coast i wouldn't be surprised if people started looking at this line and just you know move it closer make it like a pick em by the time kickoff uh, happens but yeah i'll take minnesota for sure and then we got a uh, bit of a semi-budding rivalry maybe maybe it's just me talking but uh we got maryland going up to penn state maryland one point one point uh road favorites um Obviously, last year's game uh, resulted in Penn State's favor. The year before, Maryland kind of pulled off the upset in Happy Valley against Christian Hackenberg in their first year in the Big Ten. Uh, that was just kind of strange. But Penn State barely, barely survived uh, that overtime game against Minnesota, like I said, whereas Maryland just dropped 50, what, won, I think, 50-7 to seven against Purdue and put up a yeah, zillion yards on the ground. Yeah, their defense is really good. They got, yep. a, they got a lot of people. I don't even know who their number one player is at any given skill position on offense. Uh, yeah, running back, they got a bunch of guys. Uh, what is the name of that? Uh, Lorenzo? Lorenzo Harrison. He's yeah. a true freshman. Ty Johnson uh, ran for 200 yards on seven carries. Right, yeah. He's up over 11 yards per carry this year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I actually like Maryland to win this. I, don't, I, I think Penn State is still kind of dysfunctional. Love Saquon and Chris Godwin, but uh, it's just that the Maryland defense seems really good. 
and they they have quite a bit of speed and many options on offense. Um, likely great returner. So I think they've a cut lot of- they've cut down on their turnovers almost completely as well, which I think you know is something that that made them one of the worst teams in all the FBS last year. Is they were just throwing picks at an insane rate. That's just not happening the same way this year. They're being a lot more careful with the ball. Uh, so Penn State's not going to get gifted any turnovers uh, from a Caleb Rowe type of guy. <laughs> Uh, so I, I really do feel like Maryland has a shot to to win this uh, going away, uh, even though they are on the road. Uh, so they should cover that one-point spread. Um, we got NC State playing host to Notre Dame. NC State, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Seems like a trap, uh, but I'll still take Notre Dame to cover that. I just don't think North Carolina State is that talented. I, mean, I think they're pretty talented. I don't think they're coached well enough for whatever you know deficiencies of Brian Kelly's part <laughs> to really result in that uh, type of spread when Notre Dame has so much more raw talent. Right. Um, I, th- I think Kaiser's too good to let them lose to North Carolina State. Ryan Finley's been pretty good for North Carolina State, to be fair. But uh, Jalen Samuels is playing on a bad foot. So that's the kind of thing that can just remove them from competition against a team like Notre Dame if it's at all a problem. Yeah, and you know, I think I think last week we saw where Notre Dame had obviously fired their defensive coordinator uh, after the Duke game, and then they go to the Meadowlands and they get a lot of points scored that, on them. But Syracuse can pretty much score on anybody, so like that that wasn't necessarily a, a huge. Uh, concerning factor for me coming into this game. I still think Notre Dame uh, does have the talent on defense. They're going to be starting a lot of the younger guys on defense this week, so that there is that element to watch out for. Maybe that's part of the reason why NC State's favored in this. Is they're I going just feel like the, I just don't feel like there's a way Notre Dame loses a shootout with these guys. So when you when you're talking about North Carolina State being favored, it's like for the spread. It's like I don't even I don't need to think about it. But I, I'll take Notre Dame to win by like yeah four to five points. Okay, I like that as well. I th- and I think we, you know, for for season long, I'm sure he he probably got picked up after the first game if he hadn't already. But Equimania St. Brown looks like an absolute man child, yeah, uh, at receiver. And I like Hunter this week too. Yeah, I do like him as well. And their their running backs are talented in their own right. Uh, I I mean, any receiver that's got a guy like Kaiser throwing it to him, you you just have to be a big fan. So I think we both are in agreement that the Notre Dame should get this one. Uh, we got a, a line that I f- I find to be surprisingly small. Uh, we got Auburn uh, minus three at Miss State. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I would have to guess it comes down to something like well the road for Auburn, but also something about them specifically struggling with with uh, a running quarterback. Uh, Fitzgerald has shown uh, an odd ability to put up a volume on the ground in his young career. Like there've been there's been uh, really bad stretches for him too sure like there have been a few drives here or there where he's just gotten absolutely zero done but then he goes nuts the rest of the time um fred ross is a really good receiver they still don't have a running back on that team though so i don't understand how it's so hard to stop fitzgerald it's like just ignore the running back when they do that option stuff right and uh, you'd imagine that auburn had you know even though sean white's their quarterback now you know they they were going against uh, Jeremy Johnson or John Franklin types in practice. Like they they have to be used to seeing that sort of mobile quarterback. And you know that Auburn defense, it, I am very much sold on them. Yeah, yeah, me too. So I, I would take them to cover this, but I, I guess that that would be my guess. And uh, Petway was hurt last week, so maybe there's some concern about the Auburn running game losing gas. Uh, that's that's really all I can come up with though. Yeah, I mean they they uh, you know he sat out last week. Obviously they're going against uh, Louisiana Monroe. Um, they they did run uh, 
carry on Johnson a good bit, but I mean, he's, he's still pretty fresh overall. I think he's just a true sophomore. So I don't think he, he really minds carrying the load for Auburn. Uh, Auburn should be able to, to win this one. I, I would guess by, by about a touchdown, uh, personally. Uh, then we got Oklahoma state coming off a really nice win against Texas, uh, kind of took it to him. They, they even blocked three of Texas's extra points. It was just a sort of, Weird. uh, just a pantsing on national TV of Texas that w- we'll get into it. Uh, when we talk about the Texas OU game in a little bit, but yeah, okay. State. And then they're going against Iowa state. Uh, I would feel like the spread is too big. If Iowa state were, were at home, I would, I would feel like they could probably, you know, just enough weird stuff happens in Ames to where Oklahoma State wouldn't cover that. They'd, they'd find a way to mess it up. But at home, I, f- I feel slightly better about it. That's still a lot of points. And Iowa State did, did hang with Baylor last week. I mean, we, we have, uh, you know, kind of trashed on Baylor. But do you think Oklahoma State maybe comes out slightly flat this week after a win like that? I don't know. It's really it's, – it's, it's, it is a lot of points. You're right. It's just that – uh, I feel like Oklahoma State is kind of rounding into its its you know it, its theoretical form where now they have the running game for the first time in three years with Justice Hill stepping yeah. up. Granted, he's only listed at 170 pounds, so you have to wonder if if he can really keep doing this. But it's been like since I don't know 2012 or something. Like yeah, when that Joe, was the last time Joe they had Randall. Yeah, Joe Randall in 2012 was the last time they had a, a running game that wasn't a joke, and now they have one. Uh, they've been making tackles behind the line of scrimmage, so I can see that being the way, like, you know, create enough turnovers to keep Iowa State from, uh, yeah, so I, I see this going, like, 49 to 24 or something like that, I don't know, uh, 17 points just is, is I, I think, n- not something that Iowa State can can cover, and, and maybe just as easily as Oklahoma State coming out flat, maybe Iowa State comes out just despairing after blowing it last week. That's a very good point. Uh, one thing to, to keep an eye on will be uh, James Washington. Yeah, uh, he got He got knocked out of last week's game, just kind of a nasty hit uh, from a Texas defender. But, I mean, all accounts are that he's okay. I don't even think I need him in this one. But, yeah, it would obviously be reassuring if on yeah. the, the Oklahoma State side if their best player was in this one. <laughs> so, you know, keep an eye on that, especially for your season longs. But, um uh, I, I if think he is out, case, McCleskey gets even more work than usual, and Seals maybe steps up with McCleskey. Seems to have taken that second receiver role pretty definitively in the meantime. True. Um, and then we got uh, Florida. Uh, their home dogs to LSU, an LSU team that we I think we officially have no idea what to make of them at this point. Well, I guess what I'll what I'll take them as is is very very talented in the raw sense but they were just you know not that this is a, a anything new it's just that the the magnitude of how badly they were mismanaged under Les Miles and Cam Cameron it couldn't have been more clear after last week I mean Missouri's defense is pretty good and they just yeah. even with even with Danny Etling at quarterback they just made a joke out of it like yeah. right away so that now that you know they got another week of 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 coach Ed Ogeron uh you know, kind of implementing a few things. You know, he he sort of was adamant once he once he kind of got the interim job that he was gonna he was gonna change a few things on the offense. Uh, so we might see even more of that. But at the same time, there's the weather factor in this is gonna be, I mean, crazy. I mean, it's gonna take the ball out of the air almost entirely. I mean, not that that like that doesn't play to LSU, the favor, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like Fournette's going to play though, so the, right. you do have to factor that in. But I mean, if you saw any of that game last week, you know that Darius Geis is about as legit as D- they come. Daryl Williams totally decent as well. So yeah, 
So yeah, I I actually I am okay with that spread. I'm not like enthusiastic about it because I think uh, there's McIlwain is still a coach I want nothing to do with if I'm the opposing coach. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think I think LSU's running game is is enough to make the difference, especially if Aranda keeps that defense looking terrifying. That's a, yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And and obviously Florida really kind of underwhelmed last week, so I think that's sort of where the differential here comes because you know if 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 these two teams were lining up last week the spread would be totally different but uh you know florida they might be getting luke del rio back uh kind of depends on how matters yeah true Uh, especially because you know like we said the the weather is going to be so uh just messy to the point where or where if Austin Appleby or Danny Etling have to put it in the air more than 10 times, and there's just going to be a ton yeah, of interceptions. Yeah, first team to 10 pass attempts loses in that <laughs> one. That's pretty much the rule here. Um, I'm just going to go the the opposite route just for the sake of it. I think that Florida uh, at home in the swamp, I think that you know if they do play this game, I think Florida's going to be able to, to sort of bounce back. Uh, and obviously LSU, they looked so impressive last week, but they were at home under the lights, first game under a new coach. Maybe it sort of normalizes down to, to – uh, not necessarily what we saw earlier in the season from LSU, but I think uh, Florida is definitely going to be looking to make a statement here. Not that LSU isn't, but I think Florida at home, I give them a slight edge here. So I, I will I will lean Florida, but I don't feel tremendously good about it. Um, moving on to the big games, uh, we got Texas OU, the Red River rivalry. Um, last year, uh, you, James, and I spent a lot of time talking about this game and how OU was going to you know, trounce them and uh, obviously, Absolutely. And, and Charlie Strong was on the hot seat. Uh, sound familiar? Yeah, um, we were right about that, weren't we? Uh, until until they actually played the game, and then and then oh, somehow we Texas okay. beat Oklahoma. Uh, still, am confused by well, that. This year, though, this year we're going to be right about it. This year, yep. I mean, we we can't be wrong about the same thing twice. And and also Texas is a mess. Uh, their offense is pretty good, and and the Oklahoma pass defense has been pretty bad this year yeah surprisingly uh, so i feel like the texas defense has been bad enough that uh particularly with no chris warren for texas and, and D- dante foreman's going to play it sounds like but it doesn't sound like his ribs are like entirely unaffected sure like i don't know why he leaves last week's game unless there's there's like at least a little pain to deal with and mm-hmm. he's a bruiser he's a, he's a big target um but yeah i i just don't think i think i think texas is about ready to throw in the towel on strong uh the players included so um you know what charlie seems like a likable guy but he does not seem fit for this task i mean i i really didn't see it i mean if we were talking or if you told me three or four weeks ago after after texas pulls off that huge uh overtime win against notre dame to start the season it's like all right texas is back this is just how it's yeah, gonna I be so. i mean we yeah we both did and it, I I mean, it, it looked like it and uh I don't think that we that either of us could have foreseen how bad the, the Vance Bedford defense uh, has been. It seems like uh, Charlie Strong has all but exiled him without firing him. Uh, he just like has him maybe it coaching like, like a scapegoating ba- yeah. to me though. I mean, like Charlie Strong is a defensive coach. Sure. I refuse to believe he did not have his hands on this product that we've seen. So it's uh, between like that scapegoating of, of Vance Bedford, the the whole like uh, we got to sharpen up our airport clothing you guys thing like it just sounds like 
Charlie Strong has no control over this anymore. Yeah, they they seem to have completely lost their grip. All their momentum is gone. I think that last week's loss, uh, you know, I do think that Oklahoma State is a is a solid team, but uh, Texas probably has more talent across the board. So for them to sort of uh, really not uh, not even come close to beating Oklahoma State for the most part, just felt like OK State had it most of the way there. Um, I would imagine that OU. Uh, they want to salvage their season after two early losses and the, you know, kind of atone for last year's game. I, I do think that OU should be able to, and the, OU did, did sort of look like they're starting to click last week on offense against TCU a little bit more. Yeah. The offense is good. The only question is like that 10 and a half point spread is, is does Texas have enough identity left on offense to cover it? And um, I think there's a chance, I but I, I don't, I don't think that Texas has a chance of winning though. Yeah, absolutely not. I, I, I think, uh, just for the sake of making a pick here, I think that that OU should be able to win uh, to be be able to cover the ten and a half. Uh, I know that's a, a pretty hefty spread for for a rivalry game. I'm not sure the last time uh, you know that we ha- are, haven't looked at the scores uh, of recent games between the two of them, but I still feel pretty confident that OU should win handily um, on Saturday. Uh, moving on to an ACC matchup, we got UNC, who's sort of uh, just exploded up the rankings after after beating Florida State. They got uh, ahead of the chains. Yeah, they re- finally. You know, fedora has been waiting all along. But now Elijah Hood is banged up. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know what his most recent status is. TJ Logan has been awesome this year, so that doesn't necessarily matter much. But, like, Hood is the more traditional runner between the two. Logan's, like, the guy who kills the defense while they're catching their breath mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean trubisky's seems to have turned a corner after a generally rough start to the year uh virginia tech though i mean i guess i guess with a two and a half point spread being at north carolina is basically to call this a pick them in, in respect terms um but yeah it's like i i think fuente is a better coach than than fedora but i think fedora's product is a lot more polished obviously having right. been there all this time trubisky's been in that system for like three years so, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of trouble picking this one, but I feel like recent results force me to lean toward North Carolina. I think so, too. I know that they're, that they're coming off a big win. Virginia Tech has been uh, really impressive, aside from their Tennessee game. Uh, they've, they've kind of taken care of business pretty much every step of the way. Gerard Evans has been pretty awesome, but I guess if the more I think about it, what I don't like about this matchup for them is that I think North Carolina should be able to run or at least pose enough of a threat that Virginia Tech has to use enough of its defensive capital to leave things open for Trubisky. And in the meantime, Virginia Tech's ru- running back rotation isn't really doing anything. If, if Gerard Evans does not single-handedly carry that team, they don't have a chance. And um, I feel like this is he, he should have a pretty nice game here, but I'm bothered by their, the, the lack of pass-catching personnel they also have. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Isaiah Ford is a beast. Cam Phillips is pretty good. Bucky Hodges is awesome. But the Memphis-type scheme that he's, he's trying to use at Virginia Tech right now normally has like four really good receivers and like three really good back backups who rotate heavily mm-hmm. and i just I don't, I don't think they have the firepower to carry out that vision unless the defense really steps up or like trubisky just kind of has an off day and i i really don't see trubisky having an off day um and they, they you know unc has so many just absolute weapons in, in their own passing game ryan switzer is going crazy yeah he's I mean, like he's 30 catches in the last two weeks or something it's yeah, it's really unbelievable, and Mac Hollins is is an awesome deep threat. Uh, so th- this is one where I think 
you know, as long as UNC doesn't get too full of themselves coming off a, a win like that, which is one of their better ones in a, in a while, um, I would imagine that UNC should be able to take care of business there. Um, so I would say I would lean UNC minus two and a half. Yeah, I think so too. Um, then we got may, maybe oh, like six the most and a half points, huh? Wow. Yeah, the most uh, one of the more interesting SEC matchups. Uh, I think this might be the only uh, top ten. Uh, matchup in and of itself this week yeah. uh this is texas a&m at home at kyle field uh they're the eighth ranked team going against tennessee who is the ninth ranked team a&m uh giving six and a half points here that's a lot of points but i kind of am okay with it because tennessee's model of competition for like the past month is or all year even aside from the virginia tech victory which was very convincing they've been very dependent on fluky things uh, especially they're, de- they're they're overly dependent on Josh Dobbs succeeding as a passer, which he has largely done. He has almost as many passing touchdowns as he had all of last year, but he also has more interceptions than he had all of last Ooh. year. Um, and if you don't have that Hail Mary touchdown, how does it look then? So right. uh, I just I don't think Dobbs is that kind of player in the running game, meanwhile, in Tennessee isn't working. Uh, Texas A&M, Travian Williams looks like a star. Yep. Uh, Trevor Knight, very limited as a passer, but they have – perhaps the most talented receiver rotation in the country. You wouldn't know it looking at the box score, but they have a ton of talent at receiver. So that gives them some cover there. And meanwhile, he's killing it as a runner like he always has. So I, I like Texas A&M at home to win this by a touchdown. And I, I think another sort of uh, factor you got to look at is that uh, A&M has one of the best – they haven't been known for defense in a long time. I mean, they've, been, they've, they've turned out some players. I mean, you obviously you got Von Miller, and, you know, people are drooling all over Miles Garrett already. But I think as a, as a collective, that, that's a very strong defense under John Chavis, who used to be LSU's defensive coordinator. Right. So uh, they're really clicking right now. And I think if, if they are able to, to negate – uh, what Tennessee can do on the ground, which seems like a possibility because Butch Jones has been a little bit weird about uh, the Jalen Hurd, Alvin Kamara uh, conundrum. Uh, like Hurd, some people said he wasn't hurt during the game last weekend. He came back into the game late. He came back out for the for the kickoff that Tennessee was able to run back into Georgia territory. Um, he he got taken out uh, after like kind of not hustling and then he fumbled at the goal line or whatever. If you remember that, right. Um, they're saying he's like day to day right now after saying he was full speed earlier in the week. Uh, so if, if they have to run Kamara in full, I don't think that Kamara is necessarily equipped to, to like carry the load like that. Um, so then it, if he gets, if he's getting stopped completely, then you're going to make Dobbs throw it a lot. And that that's a very talented Texas A&M secondary that right. you would have to be throwing it against. They were bat A&M was bad against the run last year, but this year they've been adequate at least. And they've been, they've been great against the pass this year and last year. So, um, I, I think it kind of sets up to be just a a, tr- a total trap setup for uh, Tennessee. Like I, I can see it being more than a touchdown victory for A and M. I think so too. And I think yeah, this is probably like the the week that like the the Tennessee hype train is like bubble. It's just I, I watched. I, I'm just a. Does do people actually believe in them though? I'm I'm a sick person. I watched all four hours of Paul Feinbaum on on Monday, and it was just all Tennessee call-ins and tweets, and like oh people God. are just going insane. Oh, dude, right there's now. like there's this whole like big community of people on Twitter who are Tennessee fans, and they're like fighting with Georgia fans about how Jalen Hurd is better than Nick Chubb. Oh, fun. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the pride is back. Uh, I think it's going to be gone after this yeah, week. They called, they called that play the Dobnail boot. There's just a lot 
of stuff going on right now in Knoxville, and it makes me a little bit queasy. But I, I do think that A and M is gonna is gonna remind them what they uh, of where they truly are in the SEC pecking order this week. Um, if we were to get a little bit fine bomby there, um, let's see. Moving out west, we got Southern Cal hosting one of our sort of darlings of the early season, twenty uh, first ranked Colorado, and yet. Uh, even with all that USC's sort of gone through to start the year, obviously with the beating they took from Alabama and and, and the close loss to Utah, um, they are five point favorites against Colorado. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. It, the uh, Colorado has an interesting scenario for themselves. Like Safo Luafau, I'm probably saying his last name wrong. I don't know how it is, but uh, he he had that injury. Uh, the foot injury, and now the Steven Montez has been really good the last two weeks, including like an Oregon victory. And people are there's this sort of like quarterback controversy they have. I don't think there should be one if if Lufa is healthy. Mm-hmm. I feel like he he a was he's been better than Montez anyway. Like Montez uh, beat an Oregon team that is looking increasingly not worth any praise. Right. Um, he's got he had two interceptions in uh, the closer of those two games. Uh, so yeah, he had two interceptions against Oregon. Uh, last week they pummeled Oregon State, but I mean, he you should do that. It's very uh, in vogue. Right Montez now. went 0 for 7 as a passer against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Fowl got a lot going early in that game. So if he's healthy, I I cannot understand how they could keep him as senior from not taking back over, especially when I don't think the argument is strong that Montez has been any better. So um, we'll see where that goes. I don't know what the situation is for this game at the moment. Um, I generally find Colorado to be the much better coach team. Um, I think USC just had a uniquely good matchup for themselves last week against right. Arizona State, who A, got their quarterback hurt, B, had a defense bad enough to just let you know Juju go wild, obviously. I don't think Colorado lets him do that. Darnold is obviously a lot better than Brown E, I guess we can say at this yeah. point. Um, but I just I feel like Colorado is is pretty legitimate. Um, five points isn't exactly a big victory for USC. I think USC wins, but yeah, so five isn't that many points, but I still kind of got to think it'll be closer to like four or three. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, USC is sort of, or the line sort of reflects USC being able to, to put down a convincing win against Arizona state last week, but that was at home. I guess this one is at home as well, but, uh, you know, Darnold's only getting better. I, I'm He's pretty bullish on yeah. them, uh, moving forward. But I still feel like Colorado, Colorado uh, their secondary is going to present some some issues that Arizona State certainly couldn't. And, right. Yeah. Know, never Arizona could. State has one of the worst pass defenses in the country. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that we've seen. And uh, Colorado uh, actually has a pretty pretty solid one. I think there there is maybe some NFL talent back there from from what I've seen. They potentially, got, they got NFL talent at receiver that uh, they do. Shea Fields and and uh, is it Ross? Devin yeah, Devin Ross. Ross. So yeah, and, and Bryce Bowe isn't so bad at three. So I I think I think Colorado is just a good team. Um, I think USC is is a team that's getting better, and I think they'll win it. But I don't think they're going to you know just totally embarrass Colorado or anything. No, I don't. Th- I don't think that they'll be able to to uh, beat them by five. So I, I lean Colorado here as well. Um, let's see. That we probably don't have a ton to say about this Alabama Arkansas game. I predict Alabama will win. Yeah, by more than 13 and a half. And that's pretty much all that needs to be said about that, really, honestly. Um, we got uh, another really intriguing ACC matchup. Maybe it would have been more intriguing had Florida State uh, not blown it against North Carolina. But we got my undefeated Miami team, three-point favorites at home 
convincing. Uh, against Florida State. Um, this is going to be another one of those rain-soaked, you know, like weather could be a huge factor type type games. Yeah, and at this point, I think you got to say the Miami defense is sizably better than the Florida State one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the rivalry history between these teams makes that margin smaller, but I still think the margin exists. I, I would definitely take Miami by three. Uh, yeah, th- Miami's playing uh, just an unbelievably, you know, resurrected brand of football right now thanks to mark Richt, um and i i just feel like that they're going to be able to to beat florida state they're so they seem to just be shaking off uh all their past flaws every single week and that defense is super uh legitimate um i think they could make it i, I think they are in contention for the whole conference uh, see, yeah i mean they're gonna I, i'm not sure how their schedule sets up the rest of the way in terms they get, of they get a really play. tough bit here it's a north carolina in the next game at home okay. uh, on the road against virginia tech on the road against notre dame uh, they close out the year with pittsburgh virginia north carolina state duke so at least they would get a bit of a theoretical breather going into a championship game scenario if they should get that far right and they'll, they'll you know that you would imagine that they, they'd be able to win those last four games so that'll be momentum uh, as far as uh, the playoff committee is concerned uh not not necessarily that, that, that they're quite in that discussion yet but they're a top 10 team right now so yeah they're um, really looking good if they can if they can pull this win off uh, you know i know that florida state isn't ranked right now but florida state still florida state still still an impressive win should miami do it um and then uh rounding us out uh we got uh washington eight and a half point favorites on the road against oregon more yeah i think <laughs> i think uh this i think washington uh should be able to blow the doors off of, of oregon I, I don't think that oregon wearing uh those ridiculous looking throwbacks where they're the, they're the web foots um i don't think that that's going to be able to do anything for them either uh yeah i mean whatever it's just i don't think mark helfrick knows what he's doing i don't think that team believes in him anymore i don't think switching quarterbacks is going to impress anybody and i again like if you watch the way washington played last week and you look at like chris peterson during the whole thing like i I think he's i I don't think he's going to let up at all like I, i don't think he's going to let them think that they did anything to this point that that deserves you know any any sort of substantial praise um and for good reason i mean like oregon shouldn't be overlooked but i i just think washington's a way better team and is going to have an enormous tactical advantage yeah and i think that uh once washington's able to get through this one uh th- this is sort of like their last big divisional test until washington state i believe uh let me take a quick gander at their schedule but yeah i mean they do have or, or uh, utah on the road but after that, it, the schedule's not not too daunting. They catch uh, Southern Cal at home in November. But I think that this really is sort of – it's a mental hurdle for them as much as it is just a, a road hurdle uh, because it's been a while since they've beaten Oregon. Uh, I think that they don't want Oregon to be the ones standing in the way of them potentially having an undefended or undefeated uh, Pac-12 season. So I think that Washington comes up there and uh, – and just takes it to them. Um, so with that, that's that pretty much wraps up our our spread portion and just game breakdown. Uh, Want to get into uh, some season long discussion here? Um, wanted to ask you about your rankings. Um, just sort of over over the last few weeks, have you noticed any single one player that that you've had kind of bumping up? You know, maybe into that elite tier. You know, maybe like a guy that maybe started the season outside of your rankings that's maybe in your top 20 of quarterbacks or or running back of, of a similar trajectory? 
Oh, yeah, we were talking about Louisiana Tech earlier. Two guys, Ryan Higgins at quarterback, at uh, running back Jared Kraft, even even Trent Taylor. I was low on this year under the, the logic of, well, Higgins won't be good, so Taylor won't be able to – he won't have as big of a pie to, to, to catch passes from mm-hmm. uh, to make stupid mixed metaphors. Um, but, yeah, he those, that whole offense has been way better than I expected. They've been better than they were under Driscoll, which I – can't I with understand. Kenneth Dixon yeah and, and Kenneth Dixon even too I mean uh he, he, if he were here this year he would be he would be doing just like 40 touchdowns or something <laughs> but uh yeah clearly the rest of the the offense has taken a step forward I did not anticipate that um I didn't anticipate uh Toledo being quite as high flying as they are like Logan Woodside was someone on my radar but this week he's going to be a, a top 10 quarterback play for me uh Davis Webb, to his credit, doing better than I thought he would in California, More specifically fewer turnovers than I thought he'd right. have, um, especially uh, af- against a team like Utah. I thought he was, it was a prime setting for him to revert to type, but I guess he's just a new type at this point. Uh, but yeah, at running back, uh, I guess aside from uh, Kraft, there's, there's guys like, um, I mean, James Butler was, was expected to do well. I didn't think he'd do he'd do uh quite as uniquely good as he's doing in nevada like i thought akil lynch might steal some carries and that turned out to be stupid he's got like five carries this year uh so that's not going to happen curtis samuel at ohio state i thought would have a poor fantasy setup being categorized at running back and theoretically playing receiver not an issue uh he's actually total yardage machine yeah he's actually is a if 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 uh, we had to make like a top five for the Heisman, I mean, we'd both put Lamar Jackson at one, but I think there's a pretty strong case to say like Curtis Samuel might need to be invited to the the final ceremony or whatever because he's he's been going just nuts this year. Yeah, every single you know piece of that offense, he he has uh, had his hands in. He's been really explosive no matter what they've asked him to do. And you know, like on a given week, he'll he'll get you know like he'll push for like ten carries and have you know eighty yards from it, or or another week where. Uh, he'll he'll have nine targets, catch all of them, and just and burn the defense for a touchdown or two at minimum. I mean, he he started the season. Obviously, they're playing Bowling Green week one, but I mean, he had like 170 receiving yards, and I mean, no one anticipated that. I mean, he's getting he has the trust of JT Barrett more so than than like the traditional receivers like like a Noah Brown or or Paris Campbell. It's it's yeah. really just kind of like he's the best receiver and. You know, Mike Weber obviously gets the workload out of the out of the backfield for the most part, but I mean, he's I mean his per per carry production is insanely impressive as well. So I'm definitely yeah. on board with you as far as uh, Curtis Samuel is concerned. But yeah, I've, uh, definitely looks like I missed with Stockton at running back with Texas Tech. I don't know what happened there. I I, I still think he deserves a bigger shot than they've given him so far. Um, a receiver more so. I, I definitely did not foresee Steve Ishmael being pushed to the back of that wide receiver rotation. He's been doing about right. 10 yards per target his first two years in college football, which I think gives him a really good prospect profile. Uh, I don't know if Dino Babbers is unimpressed or the, the more the more uh, pertinent thing is Amba Etatawu's own skill set. Um, he, was, he was not on the radar coming into this year, but uh, he did have a really nice start to his career at Maryland before inexplicably disappearing. Like he had, he got really hot in the second half of his true freshman year. had had a really nice stretch as a true sophomore, then just disappeared. Edsel Island. Yeah. So uh, he 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 came over to Syracuse, and now he's like do, he's just uh, you know casually doing two hundred yards a game or whatever, just absolutely dominating. Yeah. 
So that's been those are those have been like the big risers. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of who else has sort of uh, jumped off the page. I mean, Chad to Hansen at California has been nuts. Uh, they they were talking him up before this year, but he he didn't do anything last year among a crew of receivers who turned out to be no good among any of them. I mean, like Bryce Treggs, Kenny Lawler, Darius Powell, uh, some other guy I'm forgetting. We're all playing ahead of Hansen last year, and it was I was my reasoning was like, wow, how good can he be if he can't get reps ahead of those guys? Um, but uh, I guess uh, quite good nonetheless. Yeah, they have a freshman as well, uh, Demetrius Robinson. Yeah, he's, he's doing really li- good lately. Uh, Melky Stovall might be a pretty good slot player going forward. But yeah, they hit, Robert, Robertson is a person to look at too in season long if he's if he's still out there and you need some help because I think he's got two touchdowns in two straight games. Let's see here. Um, yeah, he was like a he was like a he's up to of, five touchdowns and he was he was getting offers from everybody. Yeah, he was like a five ish star recruit. Yeah, so. I think some some sites had him as the number one receiver. Uh, oh wow! Jo- you know, he was Georgia was after him because he's a Savannah native. Uh, he was initially com- committed to Bama. Uh, then he was looking at Michigan. And then he wanted and Notre to get Dame. thrown passes. Yeah, so, so he yeah. made made the right call there. But yeah, uh, otherwise, in season long, it's like we mentioned Oklahoma State running back, Justice Hill. No one on that team is going to be taking the ball away from him. He's made that clear so far. Um, if you're desperate, Ventil Bryant at, at Temple could have a nice one-week setup. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other people who are... Do we know the status of uh, Damian Harris? Is he looking questionable again? Uh, I know he got two carries last week, but I would assume that was because he wasn't at full strength. And In any case, Joshua Jacobs was pretty great so uh if uh yeah that's something to keep an eye on later in the week we'll definitely be watching harris's status right and uh, i think chubb is supposed to play this week uh of the more mainstream guys but oh, uh but by, by the way sorry uh kirby smart is terrible yes. that, he, that he that he was that he thought it was a good idea to have chubb suit up and get one carry uh he doesn't understand anything yeah that was uh very very head scratching very frustrating it was just like he got ruled out on friday and then they're like, oh, no, what are you talking about? He's a game-time decision. And they put him through warm-ups, uh, give him one carry, I believe, on the uh-huh. first series, and then, yeah. yep, well, see you later. We'll give him one carry, and Tennessee will just be so confused. Yeah, that'll, I don't know what to that'll do change everything. That. Yeah. Anyway, that was stupid, <laughs> and if he thought that was a good idea, I mean, he's just he's just a – Yeah, I'm shaking my head at him thus far. Uh, as a Georgia fan, um, do we want to get into any any of the uh, Nick Gray's uh, pickup waiver wire? Yeah, he mentioned uh, Ventel Bryant actually in his waiver ar- waiver wire article, which goes up on Mondays. You can always read that on the site. Um, Dontravius Wilson's been the touchdown scorer for UCF, but you obviously have to wait a week on that one because um, they're not going to be playing due to the weather. Right. Um, if you believe in that uh, North Carolina State favored line, uh, you definitely should have an interest in ryan finley who you should have an interest in anyway i mean they, they run a an aspiring boise state type tempo offense and uh he's he's doing quite he's well right he's, up his alley yeah he's but he was he was really struggling with boise in a very brief uh, appearance last year before a season-ending injury but he's been quite good for north carolina state so far obviously if mahomes is out uh Shimanek, nick Shimanek, mm-hmm. um is also mentioned by nick gray's uh, he should have a nice game against Kansas State, even if uh, we otherwise agree uh, Kansas State is the type of team that could give Texas Tech more broadly a bit of a letdown because mm-hmm. um, they, they shut that tempo down to zero. And p- they're playing really good defense this year. But still, it's like you got to think Shimanek throws the ball 45 times, even with that being the case. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, you don't really change your spots. And, and I think that Shimanek 
I mean, it's not like he's off in practice, you know, not even looking at at the same sort of offense. I mean, he's being conditioned to where if if Mahomes goes down, he he comes he comes right in. He's a clone type of deal. I mean, obviously not as good as Mahomes, but I mean, he you know immediately comes in and just throws four touchdowns. Right, he can uh, just do that. But yeah, also uh, Nick pointed out Nigel Kilby, a tight end. If you're looking for one, Eastern Michigan, he's been really good as a freshman. I think he's their leading pass catcher, actually. Uh, just as Hayden uh, Hurst, I believe his name is, at South Carolina, is their leading pass catcher. No touchdowns yet, but a 23 year old former baseball prospect uh, who's who's pretty polished, apparently. Uh, even though he's a he's a sophomore, technically, he's he's leading them in receiving yards. So you would think he'll score a few touchdowns eventually. In which case, if he's doing like 80 yards a game, that could make him one of the higher scorers at the position in that week. I think the the only thing that would that would concern me is not only South Carolina's quarterback play, but like uh, Brian Edwards and uh, and Debo Samuel have missed some time. Yeah. Uh, whenever they get back, I imagine they'll take some of the targets away. But obviously, what he's done uh, warrants him a, a role moving forward for sure. He's definitely a fantasy relevant tight end moving forward. Yeah, and we 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 refuse to talk about Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, but again, Blake Mack also among the leading tight ends this year for Arkansas State. So uh, if you if you must have some morbid interest in that game. Like Matt can be a way to get more engaged, right? But yeah, uh, I mean, do you have anything else you're thinking on season long, or anything else in particular? Um, as far as season long is concerned, uh, for for his, uh, my like start versus sit, I have some pretty uh, scorching hot takes on on players to sit. You oh, know, I, I said like uh, sit Saquon Barkley against Maryland, sit Royce Freeman against Washington. Uh, sit Darius Geis against Florida. What? Yeah, not that one. I agree. I actually, I, 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 I wouldn't bench Freeman myself. I would bench uh, Saquon in a lot of cases. And and uh, not sorry, I kind of interrupted your hottest take of all, perhaps. Yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's a guy that like you know, he's probably he's probably what if it's a first... maelstrom and like nobody's throwing the ball. I mean, but he gets thirty carries. Ah, oh, jeez. I mean, it's going to be such a mess. I could see him fumbling maybe a couple of times. I don't I know. I could see I him mean, fumbling if the weather is great and there's no one on the field. Yeah, trying to and, tackle and him. he's about to score a touchdown. Yeah, but but um, I just think that you know this is a week where where Miami's defense is playing so well, um, and Florida State is just not playing well. So this is a case where I really could see. Uh, just Miami slowing him down, not like just preventing that that big play that that right. you, Dalvin Cook sort of relies on for a lot of his yards sometimes. Uh, so it, it is going to be a weather thing where he should see a good chunk of work. Uh, I just I just tend to think maybe maybe even uh, Jimbo turns to to like a Jacquez Patrick type. Uh, he's he's like a bigger, harder. I mean, he's going to be a guy that that, probably that Miami wants to tackle if less. Be competitive, yeah. True. So I I think I just happen to think that you know if you're in a deep enough league, you might have a running back on your bench uh, that has just a better matchup that than than Dalvin Cook going on the road to Miami uh, in in a really you know current kind of sloppy sloppy game. Fair enough, and 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 definitely true. I, I, I'm sure some some of you guys have have drafted teams good enough that you've you've got better options this week. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling in that Joe's versus pros league, largely because it's not my own fault, but uh, <laughs> I'm not doing as well as some other people, obviously. I, I had Anthony Wales going when he was a, a phantom uh, inactive. Um, what else? Uh, some other people getting hurt, and yeah. I went against a guy last week who put up like 215 points. So it was like, uh, that's that'll rough. sting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have Mahomes as my first pick in like the Rotowire league, so I'm really kind of hoping that even if he sits out this week, uh, that that AC joint injury doesn't really stretch out into a a more problematic thing because uh, quarterback our quarterback waiver wire is uh, threadbare because we have like 20 people or something. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. But anyway, I think that about wraps it up for us today. Uh, Yeah, we're exhausted. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm. I'm spent, as Austin Powers would say. So uh, with that in mind, we'd like to thank Wix uh, for bringing us the Wednesday Rotowire football podcast, the college edition. We'll see you guys next week. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.